stand up and, and have a little bit of a shake uh, so that you can settle down comfortably. It came about like this. When I was um, at our staff planning day, we had the NHT staff and we had the church staff together. And it was really interesting to when we were saying, what, what are some of the things that we're noticing in church life? How much certain words came up where they were saying tiredness, people were tired, there was a weariness. Even the word exhaustion was used of, of their feeling of, of the um, folk in the church. And someone used the word overwhelmed. Now, they're strong words, aren't they? Tired, weary, exhausted, overwhelmed. But, you know, when we think about ourselves with earthquakes a decade ago, 10 years ago, the insurance battles that for many of you went on for years and years and years, floods, Port Hill fires, mosque massacre, and then last year the pandemic, it's no wonder that those things are around people's lives. I would say maybe around all of our lives. If you add those things on top of just the normal things of life, of the busyness of life, um, family hassles. Not like today, where we're talking about the good things. But they, there are, at times, family hassles and career demands and redundancies and losing of loved ones over the years and sicknesses that have come. And then the expectation from the, the Bible and the church that God has ministry for all of us to be involved in, it adds up to... Oh, gosh, for a lot of us, exhausted, overwhelmed, overstretched. And the words that we have to actually have to think about and respond to if they, if, they, uh, if they in any way apply to us, otherwise we head down a track towards burnout, and no one wants that to happen. So I felt the nudge after that day to preach about Selah. Selah means pause. And often you'll, you'll see it in the Psalms. David or the other psalmist will say a certain amount and then selah. In other words, stop, pause, think about this stuff before just pressing on. And wouldn't it be good if we stopped and paused and thought about some of the stuff around our lives before just charging into 2021? You know, we, Jesus himself understood these words. We see him grappling with them in his humanity, in his own ministry. But there was a time when he talked someone to someone who was very close to him about these very things. And that's what I want to look at today. There were several people in the inner orbit of Jesus. Who were the main three and the disciples? Yep, Peter, James, and John. And then there were three others who were also in the inner orbit, but they weren't part of that group. And their names were Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He had a very special relationship with these three. And these three owned a house in a suburb not far from Jerusalem or of Jerusalem called Bethany. And they kept a guest room for Jesus. And this was not only a place of refreshing for him, but it was a safe place for Jesus to be able to go to. And he could just go and he could sit down and he could chill out and he greatly appreciated Mary, Martha and Lazarus because of their hospitality to him. And you think about Jesus, the demands upon him just escalated. It was only three years, but the demands upon him escalated on one of those curves that just goes like this. Um, 
At first, he'd go somewhere and he'd have to draw a crowd in some way. But after a very short amount of time, whenever he turned up, it would be, Jesus is here, Jesus is here. And people would flock and come around. And at first it was hundreds, and then it was thousands. And so he would find himself getting into a boat to address people on an entire beach or going onto a complete hillside. And when we were in Israel, seeing some of these hillside areas, you realize, actually, that's pretty big. A lot of people would be listening to him in that particular area. And so he would be in ministry mode for a long time. And it wasn't just ministry mode. There were people who were against him. There were people who argued with him. And they were some of the smartest brains. And they were some of the top influential people in their country. They were Pharisees and lawyers and, and experts in the law. And so having a bolt hole of his own space with people he enjoyed for being able to be away for a few days was a really wonderful gift for Jesus. Wouldn't you love to have somewhere like that? A friend with a batch. Just go there any time. How many have a friend with a batch? Yeah, you lucky people. Well done. But let's just look at the scripture. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman called Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Ever found yourself saying that? Hmm... Oh, Lord, forgive me. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. So I want to just dig down into this for a moment. It would seem that this was an unplanned visit from Jesus. There was no prep time for getting the house ready, maybe the beds made, and the food prepared. Consider there's no electricity, so there's no fridge. There's no oven to cook whatever came out of the non-fridge. And there's no supermarket just down the road to get the extra things that might have been needed. So the prep aspect is pretty big. Those of you that know about kitchens, you get that. Those of you that just enjoy sitting in a chair and food appears on a table, you may not get that. But this is a big deal. And Jesus has been teaching, and he's also been having some arguing backwards and forwards with critics, and he's been praying, and he's been healing, and he wants to stop by, and he wants to get out of ministry mode and be replenished with some trusted friends for a few days. And one sister gets it, and she pulls up a chair. And if you can picture it, she takes Jesus into, can you picture this in your mind? She takes him into the lounge. And Mary says to him something like, Jesus, we're so glad that you're here. Tell us about what you've been up to. What's the latest? What's been happening? And she's laughing and she's listening. And Jesus is finding stories and accounts just being drawn from him. And, and she's, she's absolutely enjoying his, his company. You know, I used to find this 
and still do to a little bit, but I, I, when Morris and Miriam were pastoring out in Oxford, Sandra and I would quite often just jump in the car and we'd drive out to Oxford and we'd interrupt their lives and we would just want to talk things over about what's happening in church life, but often about what's happening in the denomination. And a few years back, I was given the privilege of, of leading a conference with a small team of people, but planning and implementing a conference. And when the conference, for it was a national conference for Baptist uh, pastors and leaders, and, and when it was over, I would like nothing better than to jump in the car and head out to Oxford to Morris and to Miriam and just unload all this stuff. It's wonderful. Camaraderie just comes in moments like that. I wanted to share everything that was there, and they wanted to listen and add into it. And I'd tell them what happened, and I'd tell them who got blessed. And here's the interesting thing. If some people are getting blessed, others are getting mad. Come on, wake up. It's true. Some people don't like what happens. And they've got reasons why it should be done differently. And all those stories would be drawn out of me as I was talking with them. Now, Mary is, is doing this with Jesus. And, and Martha just seems to be the, have this first child responsibility gene. Have we got any first child children in the, in the room? You know what it's like. There's a drivenness often to a first child. They've got to get it all right. There's things that have to be done. And, and, and she goes off to the kitchen to do all the practical stuff. And it sounds like it should have worked. Okay? Two women. One goes to do all the work and the other one goes to, have, to listen and tell stories. That's a good deal, isn't it? That will work. Of course it didn't work. And Martha's thinking food and drink and crackers and cheese and maybe lamb for the main and banoffee pie for dessert and Chardonnay as a wine. But she's not happy. In fact, she's absolutely ticked. And she busts a gasket in a huge meltdown. And she doesn't bother with all the subtle stick your head around the corner and give her, give her, her sister the eyes that say, And she doesn't even go through the routine of slamming the doors and dropping a pot or two. She just bursts out into the room and she doesn't address her lazy sister. She goes straight to Jesus and she says, tell my sister to help me. It's, Jesus, don't you care? Now this is the Jesus, the Prince Jesus, who left heaven to come down to earth to become a human and live as a human being, so that he could die because he cares for every single human being and offers salvation by what he did. She's saying to him, don't you care? And this is the Jesus who's tired and worn out and wants that special chair and that opportunity just to relax. And now he's getting beaten up by one of his best friends, saying, Jesus, don't you care? I kind of picture her with a spoon. And she's waving the spoon, because she's been in, and it just suddenly exploded, and she hasn't put it down, and she's coming out, and she's pointing the spoon at him. Now, if she did have a spoon, what was going through Jesus' head about what he could do with the spoon? 
to her. But he doesn't escalate it. He's amazing. And he just, he just responds back. And he says to her, Martha, Martha, you've been concerned about so many things. So he reads her mail. And he says, Martha, there's a whole lot of stuff behind what you're doing right now. There's a whole lot of things that could be talked about here. But he just loves on her. And he says to her, I'm not going to take away what Mary has done. But by saying that, he's basically saying this, Martha, don't you get it? When I turn up at your place, it's basically for friendship, to have connection with you guys. When, I'm, when I come to visit, I'm looking for a place and people that are life-giving and going to re-energize me. And he doesn't say it out loud, but I guess as he looked, she would have thought. He's saying to her, if I wanted food, remember the 5,000? And then the 3,000? And if I wanted choice wine, remember the wedding, Cana? This isn't about food. I can manufacture food in an instant if I'm really about that. It's about sharing deeply your life and my life. And Morris and Miriam, after we'd um, discussed everything that could be said and talked all these things out, sometimes we'd just go out and buy fish and chips. Other times Miriam would do her wonder whisking thing and food would appear when all the talking was done. And Jesus says that Mary chose the best way, the right way, the rich part of friendship. And he's not going to send her to the kitchen because of Martha's drivenness, her uptightness, her overwhelmedness because of other things in her life that she hadn't actually addressed, but were the buttons that were being pushed now. You see, Jesus is indicating that the antidote to our drivenness our busyness, our sense of overwhelmness is to leave it all undone and go and spend some unhurried, unrushed, special time with him. Because when we get overwhelmed, the answer isn't to get all the jobs done so that we can then relax because there's always more jobs. But the answer is to unplug and to leave undone what we haven't completed and go and spend some time with Jesus in his presence. You see, Jesus is about relationship. It's not a formula. It's not praying a, a, a rote prayer. It's about something from the heart of relationship. And he keeps wanting to call us back to it. Call us back to it. Slow down, John. You don't need to do this and that. You see, when was the last time you had that kind of time and encounter with the Lord yourself? As we begin 2021, can I ask you to analyze your actual condition after the th things that I described from the earthquakes all the way through? If you were to draw a bucket to symbolize your emotional and spiritual health today, where would you draw the waterline level? Are you tired out and overwhelmed and overscheduled? 
doing things that are good to do, but not necessarily in your brief to do. Ask yourself, do you think a sincere conversation with Jesus that's unhurried and unrushed might really help you and me? And do you think Jesus was right when he told Martha with her over-responsibility gene that doing stuff is not necessary at the moment, that she should unplug, pull up a chair, and begin some life conversations, life-changing conversations, life-giving conversations with him? Michelangelo painted a, a painting of heaven and the Father reaching down to earth on the top of the Sistine Chapel. Anyone seen it? Ellen and Chris, you probably have. Carol, others of you that are here. Wow, that's cool. I was going to put it up, all of it up, but actually Michael is a little bit um, uncovered is the best way of putting it. So I thought I'd just put the hands. One's God's hands and one's a human's hand. And there's just this tiny gap in the fingers and, and God is reaching out to people so often with this tiny gap. But I have discovered the best thing I can do is wrap my hand around God when I feel that overwhelmness, that tiredness, that, that I just need you, God. And that's the moment that re-energizes. You know, one word, one something from God can make such an incredible difference in our lives. Just before Christmas, um, I might have even been on the ferry. God spoke to me. It was, I think it was just after Christmas Eve. And, and God spoke to me that morning. And he said, you're stressed, aren't you? Yes, God, I am. He says, well, don't worry. And then he went on and told me some things. And then I said to him, thank you so much, God. And he replied back to me. Now, I've never had a conversation with God like this before, but he replied back to me, you're welcome. <laughs> I thought, wow, there is a closeness and an intimacy with God that I've, I want more of that. I want more of that. And it does something. When God speaks something into our heart and into our life, it's wonderful. As we begin 2021, Andrew and the, the elders are saying we must pray. And I, I really urge you to pray. But we're not going to set up at the beginning of the year as we do sometimes one or two um, prayer times. One reason I'm not setting it up is that so few people come. So it's not working. You may be praying at home for things, but so few people come to the corporate prayer times that we need to do something different. But I realize, too, after what I'm preaching about today, I think God wants us to press pause. I think God wants us to major on listening to him. I think God wants us to be in his presence and just being. And if God speaks to you about X or Y or Z, then you can go and do X and Y and Z. But I don't want you to come with a God, God, you know, I want you to do this, and I want you to do that, and I want you to do something else. I want us at the beginning of the year, because of what I'm speaking about today, this thought of Selah, let's pause. Let's get well. You know, one of my boys um, was in center of town in the earthquakes, and he saw dead people, and he saw people who were badly messed up. He's never spoken about it. He refuses to speak to me about it. But until he goes back and deals with that, 
it will limit his future. Some people had to deal with the bodies of, of the 50-plus people who were killed in the massacre. I don't know what it is for you that would be a limiting thing, but there may be a need to go to counselling. There may be a need to do some real um, deliberate and, and focused stuff in getting well because when we have that sort of stuff in the background, we desire to run. But the tiredness and the overwhelmness and the weariness can just come. So I just want to, I want to encourage us as we begin this year, let's spend time in God's presence. Let's go back to how it was at the very beginning when God touched us. Let's listen to God and, and just be with him and, and just let him speak the things. He may say to you, you're stressed, aren't you? and take you on your little journey of what he wants to speak into your life. One of the ways that we can do this, and if the band could come, please, um, one of the ways we could do this is um, we have already a wonderful service called Collective Pursuit. It's every three weeks in, at night on a Sunday night, and the next one is next Sunday night. And it's a service where no one's telling you what to do, no one's instructing you on how to live the Christian life. It's a service where the whole event is set up to allow you to connect with the Father through the Holy Spirit and Jesus yourself and to be and to be refreshed. I want to encourage us as we begin this year um, to take seriously... What is my actual emotional, spiritual health level like? And what am I going to do? What am I going to take responsibility for so that I can see that actually grow and develop? There'll be some sermons in the next little while that'll be on this, on this vein, and I'll be talking in more practical terms next time myself. But I do encourage you, let's get behind Collective Pursuit. Come along. Allow that time with God listen to him. You can stay seated or you can stand, but I've asked the band if they would just lead us in that song again, that beautiful new song that we were singing.